Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Car... God damn it. This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Kirkman podcast is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to for free, listen to a performer, riff for an hour about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on the Chelsea Lately Show. Because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted and shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So if you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club. What makes I Seem Fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Welcome. I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 271. Hello, listeners. How are you? I am also... um, podcasting this simultaneously. It is going live on my Instagram story. So I got a lot of uh, feedback that you guys really liked last week's episode. And uh, I think you might have liked it because it had a new energy. And the energy was that I was taping it um, 
while it was going out live over my Instagram feed. And so a lot of times I will, I release this podcast every Wednesday morning and a lot of times I will record a few weeks in advance, get a few on the books so that I don't have to stress. I don't have to worry. What if I lose my voice or what if my week gets busy? But I got to tell you, originally this podcast started out as a weekly diary of what went on that week. And I do think it loses something when I don't actually stick to that. So from now on, I will be recording on Sundays, hopefully trying to do live Instagram when I can, and it releases on Wednesday. So we'll see how that goes this year, Um, sort of a late New Year's resolution. So uh, business up top, go to iTunes, write a review, give the show five stars, and please subscribe. That helps bring it to the top of the list. Um... If you buy tickets to any of my tour dates, go to jenkirkman.com, click tour to see what's on sale now. Again, on sale does not mean the only places I'm coming. It just means the only places on sale. We are adding about 20 to 30 more cities. Uh, Some of the cities I am probably going to add are things like places in North Carolina. All these places I've been to before. None of this is new to me. So North Carolina, maybe maybe you do in Athens this year instead of in Atlanta. Um... We get your Nashville, we get your Champaign, Illinois, Omaha, Nebraska, Iowa City, Kansas City, Oklahoma City. Uh, I can't even think straight. Back to Austin, back to Houston, maybe a San Antonio, uh, maybe a Grand Rapids, maybe a St. Louis, maybe a Milwaukee. Everywhere that you've seen me before. Um, a lot of places though I haven't been since 2015, and we need to amend that right quick. So. If you get on my newsletter, you will know when these cities go on sale, jencarpin.com. Again, click tour. That's great. Boston and New York City just went on sale the other day. I will be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston on uh, Wednesday, uh, Friday, September 13th. Uh, we sold 400 tickets in the first day on that one. Normally, 400 tickets is one city for me. The Wilbur is a big, big theater. Holds a thousand. Uh, I'm very popular in Boston. The irony is that a lot of the people that bought tickets don't even know that I'm from there because they're new. Um, they're new to me, so that's kind of funny. So I would not sleep on that. Um, hey, if we sell out, maybe we add another show or something. So, and New York City, I will be there on Wednesday, September 11th. That is no coincidence. I purposely wanted to play on September 11th. Um, I was in New York on the original 9/11, and there's something in my heart that always wants to be there on that day. As awful as that sounds. Um, it makes me feel very connected to how lucky I am and it might be a good day to have some laughs. So that is on sale now, Brooklyn. I'll be at the Bell House. That is just one show. JenKirkman.com. Click tour. You can get the tickets right now and new merchandise in the merchandise store. Again, go to JenKirkman.com. Click shop. Uh, we've got the, I meditated today, motherfucker. It comes in a t-shirt, a hoodie, a onesie, a pillow, a mug, and we've got two versions. One is with the swear word and one is the asterisk. So there we fucking go. And if you want to be part of the secret I Seem Fun Facebook group, it's actually a closed group, not a secret group, just find me on Twitter. Um, I make it a little difficult to find so that I know that you're really dedicated to doing it. It is uh, twitter.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast. And then in the bio is where you could find the link to join that Facebook group. And you must answer the questions or else I don't let you in because I want to make sure you're not a Tarola Adola. Okay, how does that sound? We're doing good. If you have any needs, uh, you want to say something on the podcast, send me an email, iseemfun at gmail.com. Here we fucking go. So I had a crazy weather incident this weekend that I feel like I was making it up, but I wasn't. But it, okay, so I'm in, 
I, I had to cancel a gig. I don't know why I just said that like that. Cancel, like a Madonna. I had to cancel a gig. And I had to cancel it because of... I, I can't... I'm trying to think of a cause that she would have. I had to cancel it because of the devastation of the children of... Riodadio. It's a, it's a small island that I just bought and I bought all the children on it and I needed to be with them. So I couldn't go to Phoenix and we will reschedule that um, if I don't buy another island with children on it. Hopefully I, hopefully I won't forget where well, I rescheduled Phoenix for March 16th. And hopefully I won't forget that and buy another island with children on it on March 15th. But if I do, I will have to cancel again. Anyway, so I had to cancel February 2nd in Phoenix. And I really think it all happened for a reason. Because here's the interesting thing. Well, I'll go into what the canceling was all about. But I was tweeting and Facebooking and Instagramming. I have this gig. Buy tickets. Blah, blah, blah. And I could see the numbers and the ticket sales were fine. But I never heard from anyone. I'm like, oh, I guess everyone coming to the gig doesn't use social media because no one's saying anything. Then when I canceled and I made a video saying I had to cancel, comments galore. I was going to come. I'm so, I was so excited, but I'm going to come see you on the rescheduled date, March 16th. Be safe. I mean, the nicest comments. It was people were concerned with my safety. I hope you're okay. I'm glad you didn't come. March 16th works even better for my schedule. Oh my God, the babysitter canceled. So this is really a blessing. Oh, March 16th is my birthday. So that's an even better time. I mean, it was the kindest. Nobody was mad or fuck you. It was just a bunch of sweeties from Phoenix writing in my comments. And I thought, where were you guys before when I said it was, I guess people don't write in a comment, I got tickets because it's not as, I guess you don't feel an urge to write to me unless it is something like me making an apology video saying I had to cancel and you feel the need to weigh in and say it's okay. So whatever. I enjoyed it. But I do uh, encourage everybody, every time you buy a ticket to one of my shows, please comment in the comment section. Because every time I post a city, the only thing that happens is people tell me to come to other cities. And I know that you would think that that's a compliment, but it actually isn't. Because the psychology behind it is... If you're someone that just refuses to go to someone's website and you say, come to Seattle, and meanwhile, tickets for Seattle have been on sale for two months, you're never coming to the show. So all that does is remind me, I have people that like what I do, but they don't really understand that live comedy is how we make our living. Yes, Netflix gives you a pretty paycheck. That doesn't last years, you know, and what we do for a living is tour. So when, when we do comedy specials, those are commercials for you to come see us tour. We love touring. That's the goal. So when you're kind of laissez-faire, is that a word, about coming to our shows is devastating. So you don't, you never have to ask me if I'm coming anywhere. The answer is most likely yes. You're probably new to me and you don't know that I've been touring for a decade. Just fucking go to jenkirkman.com and click tour. Enjoy my newsletter. And it's going to tell you everywhere I'm thinking and coming that year. And then there's going to even be a little catch-all where I say, but don't unsubscribe if you don't see your city because literally anything can happen last minute. There was one year that at the last minute I went to Ireland, Sweden, and Alaska for gigs. So I didn't plan them out in January. It happened like a month before each one. So stay on the fucking, I mean, you get an email or two for me a month. Is that so bad? I think it's a pretty good deal. Um, 
Anyway, so here's what happened. So I get this gig in Phoenix. I got to go there. And I get to the airport. Now, I fly out of Bob Hope Burbank Airport. I would love to have an airport named after me someday, but I don't entertain the troops. And I think that's, that's part of it. And maybe Bob Hope was in a war or something. But I took a fear of flying course. We've talked about it. So I feel like I should have an airport named after me. But anyway, I live very close to the Burbank Airport. It is a delight to fly out of that airport. It is a great airport. I've never had a delay in my life out of that airport. You know, you do your Southwest out of that airport, your Alaska Airlines. It's great for the San Francisco flight, the Vegas flight. Go up to Seattle, go up to Portland, uh, I, you know, go to Texas, go to Phoenix. I, I do my kind of, well, I guess I don't, <laughs> Southwest. I do my Southwestern stuff there and a little bit of the Pacific Northwest as well. So great, right? I do all that. Burbank's great. It's not like you're taking a risk flying out of Burbank. It's totally a real airport. So, and it's 1.4 seconds from where I live. I mean, it's one of these airports where you don't, you can leave your house one hour before the flight leaves. You zoom in, throw your keys to the valet. Ba-ba! You get in line. Sometimes there's a little bit of a line if you have to check a bag. It's 10 minutes. Not even. Zip through. I mean, you're zipping around. Zip, zip, zip. You still have half hour left over at the gate. So you take a cooking class and you learn to make your own Cinnabon. And it, it's, it's amazing. So I get to the airport. And I'm driving there, and my car is sort of being blown off the road by the wind. Um, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's it's windy. And that morning I woke up, and I was like, what is this banging? Are they doing construction on my condo? And then I realized it was the wind. And I was thinking, God, this flight's going to suck. It's going to be so turbulent. And I was like, well, you know what? Maybe it's not actually – I don't know how much – I don't know how, if you said to me, the winds were 60 miles an hour today, I go, is that a lot? Like, I don't, what are they normally when it's just a little windy, when it's just a little like, ooh, like my hair got messed up, but is that five mile an hour? What's bad? You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's 50 mile an hour winds is like when we're getting pretty serious here. But I'm always like, but a plane is so big, but then again, the wings, um, I mean, the wings are big too, but the wings... They need the wind, people. And I, and I don't think they need a uh, wind to be 50 miles an hour coming at them in all directions. So anyway, I'm driving to the airport. It doesn't even dawn on me that the flight would be delayed or canceled because I swear I have flown in worse weather than this. And the rain was coming down. And I looked into the sky and I there was zero visibility. I mean, I couldn't see anything. It was all gray. I mean, there are mountains everywhere. You can't see. You couldn't even see that there were mountains. You would not. No one. If someone had just shown up that had never been to Burbank before. And I said, there are these beautiful mountain ranges where you can see the peaks and the snow from miles away. You would say, I, there's literally just gray. I don't see anything. So it was that bad of visibility. And I'm still thinking, boy, uh, well, thank God most, you know, flights are on autopilot and they don't really need to see that well. And, but I thought, man, is it going to be bumpy? But you know, the weather in Phoenix is good. It'll just be bumpy on takeoff. Anyway, I get to the airport. The flight is delayed for two hours because the plane that we're supposed to get on tried to land in Burbank and it was so windy, it had to fly away to San Diego and so we didn't have our plane. Now, other planes at the airport were taking off 
Um, but they weren't going to Phoenix, so who fucking cares? So it wasn't a situation where it was like the airport closed down. It was just like my flight could not go. And I was like, no problem. There's another flight at one. And that plane is, I think, here already. Or I don't know where it was, but I'll just get on that flight. Anyway, I had two flights I could get on. My delayed one and then this other one. So they told me, I said, now, I have to be somewhere tonight. Do you think I should leave now and just try to get a flight out of LAX, the other airport that, uh, while still windy, might might have different conditions in terms of the plane might already be there. Might, you know, they're not having delays. They said, no, 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 we're definitely going to leave. We're definitely going to leave. Okay. So I wait. It's 930 in the morning. And I think I'm being a super responsible comedian because the show is at 7 and I'm leaving at 9 a.m. And there are three other flights after mine that I could catch. So the logic would stand. You try to get the 9 a.m. I mean, you get the 9 a.m. You have tickets for it. But in case something, this is what I think when I book tickets, in case something happens, I miss the flight, something happens, I can get on one of the two later ones. You don't need to go in the night before, not somewhere as close as Phoenix. It's an hour and a half away. And then you're wasting more money. You know, it's not um, financially advantageous to just stay in a city for days because you pay your own travel and all that kind of stuff. So uh, whenever people are like, are you staying in Phoenix for a while? It's like, no, I actually like to keep the money I made. Thanks. Um, So it never dawned on me. I mean, mean, you know, I'm going to play in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Oh, come see me. I'm at the Arlington, Virginia Draft House. It's one of the first places that let me headline way before I had a following. This was like 10 years ago. So I thank them and I will be back. I haven't played the Draft House since 2015. I've been in D.C. every year, but in... um, I'd been playing uh, the sixth, sixth and I every year the past few years. So I'm back at the draft house. I just wanted to just be there. I love that place. And so anyway, get tickets, jenkirkman.com, click tour. But it's Friday, February 8th, Friday, February 9th, four shows. Great, great, great. Now, of course, then I'm flying in the night before so that if anything goes wrong, you know, I'm there already and I can sleep. And in the morning, I'm going to go on Good Morning Arlington, Virginia. I forget the name of the show. Shout out to producer... Um, is it producer Ridley? Yeah. Um, well, anyway, ooh, ooh, shout out to you. I'll see you Friday. So anywho, so I'm in there Phoenix. Then this guy in line next to me goes up. Well, yeah, the plane's coming and we're going to leave at 1130, but, but the storm's supposed to get worse at noon. So it's going to be real dangerous up there. I'm like, stop talking, stop talking. And then I turned around and he was gone. So I don't know if he was like a ghost. Um, but then there was a pilot just standing around and, uh, I think he was the pilot that was going to fly the plane if the plane ever came in. And he was like, it's not going to be a good flight. It's just straight up going to suck and be really scary. And I was like, all right, I get it. And I was just getting annoyed because I'm telling you people, I have not had a flight that's under three hours that's going up and down the coast or quick to Texas or quick, that hasn't been bumpy in years. I personally have noticed the climate change bullshit. It is so bad. I just can't, I'm going to have to get a tour bus, but I'm not famous or rich enough. So I don't know what's going to happen, but climate change is fucking up my touring. So... Now it's 1130. The flight's delayed to 1230. And the weather is, now it's like that scene in Devil Wears Prada 
where Meryl Streep is stuck in Miami and she's calling Anne Hathaway and Anne Hathaway's trying to have dinner with her dad who's giving her money. And she's like, dad, I don't need the money. I'm like, what are you fucking nuts? Take the fucking money. Your dad's giving you money. He's like, I'm worried about you. It's like, what's give her the money or don't, you know? I mean, she's 22. What do you mean you're worried about her? She's, she's graduated from college with a journalism degree. You don't just become a journalist the next day. She's living in New York with her boyfriend who's a chef. That's good. Get some security there, a good guy, you know, he cooks for her. And she's the assistant to what's supposed to be Anna Wintour of Vogue. Dad's like, I'm real worried about you. Go worry about something else, you whack job. That's nothing to worry about. She's nailing it at life. She might not be in exactly the job that she wants to be, but that's called being 22, you stupid dad. And he's giving her money. So it's like, don't give her money and then tell her you're worrying. Either give her money. And say you're doing great. Like positive reinforcement. You know, say you're doing great. It's so smart of you. Because some asshole might be like, I wanted to be a journalist. So I'm just going to have a blog and give it away for free and sit in my apartment and do nothing. I bet somebody would do that. But she's like, you know what? If you work a year for Miranda Priestly, she hooks you up with any job you want after that. And she's literally the most powerful person in publishing. And her dad's like, I don't know about that. It's like, you don't know about anything. Your daughter is responsible and smart. I don't know where this is coming from. I'm real on, what was her name? Andy? I only know what, whatever. I'm real on her side. Wait, hang on. People are writing comments, but I I told you guys, ever do the 930 Club? More music, but your crowd. Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, no, I go where my agents put me because touring is a whole thing. It depends on how many seats it is. They have to give me a guarantee. That means they are willing to pay me even if no one shows up. And it has to be advantageous for many, many things. Um, so I don't need suggestions anywhere. It's just, yeah. So anyway, uh, so anyway, I felt like Miranda Priestly when she was in Miami with the wind blowing and she's calling Andy it's just a little rain. I mean, what is the, get Donatella's plane. Like I never, I, whenever I see that scene, I'm like, I wish I was a rich badass. Like there's something about that kind of wealth where you're almost in a bubble where you don't even realize you're mortal and you're not afraid of anything. And like, I so want that, you know, cause I'm very mortal and very aware of it every two seconds. And so there, I know these people that are very wealthy and very fearless, and there is some weird thing with them where they just don't have an appropriate fear of death. And I think in a way it makes your life easier. Now, you do stupid shit, like get on a private jet in a storm. But anyway, Miranda never got the jet because Andy couldn't do it. Anyway, my point is that's why I felt. Because I it wasn't that I was of the opinion it was just a little rain. I kept just not understanding. It looked to me like other days I've gotten on planes and been like, should we be flying? And we totally flew. So I just given up knowing when it's bad or good. Um, so I'm looking like the palm trees are blowing. The, the runway looked like a lake. Like you could just put a little boat on it. There was no, you couldn't even see the cement. It was just water. And I was like, well, that can't be good. So then I wait. Now it's 1.30 and I'm like, okay, I need to get on this plane because the show is at seven. Ideally, I'd like to check into the hotel. You know, the hotel's a ha- 40 minutes from the airport. Get my rental car, the whole thing. So at 1.30, they're like, all flights canceled. No more Southwest. That's it. 
maybe in four or five hours we'll start. Well, that would have been too late. And there's a one hour time difference. Phoenix is an hour ahead. So I was like, fuck. So I'm trying to get my agent on the phone, my manager. But these are people with lives. You know what I mean? They work hard all week. They have a proper weekend. I can't get a hold of them. I finally get a hold of them. I'm like, sorry to bother everybody. I can't get there. And it's it's embarrassing because technically if I'd gone to a different airport, I might have been able to get there. Um, but there were delays at LAX as well. Bling, bling, blom, blong. But technically it wasn't, oh my God, it's an emergency. There's a snowstorm. Everything's closed. It totally wasn't that. It was like, I picked the wrong flight at the wrong airport. That one got delayed. Then they're just like, fuck it. We're not taking off because there's no visibility. The winds are bad. And now the runway's flooded. So, you know, I just felt stupid. I didn't feel stupid for picking the airport. I just felt like, I know everybody believed me and you could totally look it up, but there was just something about the club bookers who were like, in that moment, they're, they're, they're not really thinking about you. They're like, fuck, we're going to piss off all the ticket holders. And so they suggested, this is where I love you guys' feedback. They suggested, why don't you go to LAX? There's a five o'clock flight. And I could have, but I wouldn't have been able to check a bag. The reason is because I wouldn't have had time to wait for it at baggage claim in Phoenix. Because once I landed, I, I would have needed to get the fuck out, get my rental car, blah, blah. So now the checked bag is where I bring my merchandise, where I bring my books. And people were looking forward to like a book signing and selling after the show. So I was like, that's one strike. And the next thing they said was, you'll arrive at 7.30 and we'll push the show back to start at 9. And I'm like, well... Geez, it's three o'clock in Phoenix and you're planning on going to a seven o'clock show and suddenly someone says now it's at nine. That would fuck me up. That would fuck me up way more than if someone said, actually, it was canceled for weather. Can you come back next month? Wouldn't you rather just come back the next month at seven than have your night? Like once you know I'm going out at seven and I'm done by nine, wouldn't you just rather someone reschedule it? I want to know anyone watching right now. Answer me. Wouldn't you just rather, would you be pissed if the artist was like, well, now the show's at nine. Wouldn't that just annoy you? Someone said, totally. You did the right thing. If I was going to the show, I would prefer to be rescheduled. Come back the next month, 100%. Yeah, dude. Yeah, right? Yeah. So anyway, it is on sale. I'm, I'm back in Phoenix, March 16th at 7 p.m. Um, I don't think tickets, like if you had tickets, they'll give, but I think we're going to get the ticket link tomorrow. So, oh my God, I love, I knew it. A woman's instincts, you guys, a club booker's instincts, as awesome as this guy is, is never the same as a woman, unless it's the club booker's a woman, but a, I know my fans. I know my people. So I knew it. I knew it. I said, I'm telling you, they're going to be pissed. I cannot do that to them. He was like, okay. He's like, you could drive here. I'm like, I could also not because it's six and a half hours and there's literally a monsoon. Like, I don't know how bad the weather is. How, you know, enough, enough nonsense. We're just going to reschedule. And if I'm going to check the weather the week before every day, every two seconds. And if there's a chance of anything, I will fly in the night before. Um, I promise I will not, I will not let you down again. Phoenix, Scottsdale, Desert Ridge area. I'm so glad everybody commenting agrees about, there's like four people. I'm like, everybody. Anyway, so I felt really bad canceling. It made me feel shitty. And then I got in a bad mood the rest of the weekend because I felt my job is so vulnerable to stupid shit like weather or if I lose my voice. Like 
I didn't tour for a year because I was uh, recovering from damaged vocal cords and I had to get healthy by literally not speaking really for a year. And so, you know, I was like, oh, that's why I take writing jobs a lot because that's security. But I had just quit my writing job because I was like, I have to get back on the road. So I forgot that like, oh yeah, this is not a totally easy life. Um, yeah. So, you know, there you go. We all have our, um, we all take our risks, right? So, but once I am where I am, once I am where I am, there is no greater thrill for me than performing for you guys because I feel like my audience members, it's like freakish how nice and cool they are and so responsive and just so wonderful. And everyone that is my opening act is like, I have never performed in front of a group like this before. What's happening? I'm like, I don't know. They're, they're, they're special little, they're special little things. Um, so there you go. Right. So, all right. So what else is going on? Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Xander. He is a nephew of a listener that we have in Australia and he is allowed to listen to some parts of this podcast where there isn't adult language. And so I would like to give a shout out to Xander. I would like to let him know that I love Australia. And let's see, 2014, 15, and 16, I lived there for basically two months out of the year, um, usually one month in Melbourne and then one month going around other places. And you are the nicest people on earth besides my audience. And uh, Xander, I would like to say, uh, I'm gonna try to talk to you I know you probably think that I have an accent, but I think that you, you, um, well, I've never heard your voice, but I think everyone in Australia has an accent. And I, so I'm, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> no, that's not good. Zanda. Is that, is that how you would say it? Probably not. Anyway, have you ever held a baby crocodile is what I want to know because in Queensland, there's a really great res, um, reserve up there. And I went and I jumped around with, I thought they were kangaroos, but it turns out they were, uh, what are those other things that aren't kangaroos? Ah, I can't think of the name. They look like kangaroos. Anyway, I've got cute pictures of me with them and I held a baby crocodile and I held a snake and I went on a little boat and there were crocodiles right next to the boat snapping and they were throwing fish. It was the greatest. So tell your aunt to take you there. If not, Aunt Jen will come to Australia. Okay. That ends my discussion with Xander, his aunt, aunt. So just in case I say anything adult, you can turn it off now. All right. Great. Great. What is up with the governor who was like, that was me in blackface. Oh wait, it wasn't <laughs> like that was on one level. It, like it doesn't even matter now. Like on one level. Well, first of all, let's, I don't, I'm going to see what my opinion is. Governor Northrum. He should resign, and I'm sure he was in blackface. But let's just say he wasn't. The fact that you're like, no, I was, where you're just like, oh, shit, they found it. Oh, wait, that's a different person in blackface. That's not me. You've already sort of let us in on the, you might have been in blackface at one point. And then he was like, no, no, but one time I entered a contest. It was a Michael Jackson dancing or lookalike contest in 1984, and he's like, I darkened my skin for that. It's not good, not great. Also, just also doesn't that, I mean, 
Sure, Michael was lightening his skin at that point, so you probably didn't even need to darken it to enter a Michael Jackson contest at that point. Um, How about just don't have a Michael Jackson lookalike contest at like a pretty much all-white school? How about like a Garth Brooks? That's what you people can do. You can have a Garth Brooks lookalike contest or a George Michael if you want something a little cooler. But you're not, you're, I can tell you're not. Like literally has anyone that's gone to private school been cool? And I don't mean like private school in, in California where because the public school system is so shitty that even to get one plus one is two, you have to go to private school and you go to some nice Catholic school. Not that. Where I was growing up on the East Coast. If you went to private school, it meant you were like a psycho that like you went to private school so that you wouldn't go to jail. It meant you had a drug problem. You were weirdly violent with animals and your dad was a judge and then you got sent away. Like it was usually a military academy, but nobody who went to private school in Massachusetts, I swear to God, that was a thing. Our public schools, or at least the one I went to in this great suburb. We're so superior and amazing, a great education, especially in the liberal arts area as well. I mean, we took classes called humanities and I had great French class and we had drama and theater and obviously math. And I mean, it was great. And uh, small classrooms. It was, I don't know if those days exist anymore, but if you were in private school, it was like, whoa, that person's a weirdo. So, you know, I just want to Give a shout out to, uh, well, I'm not giving a shout out to private schools. I'm, I'm shitting on them. But all these guys, all these guys that are running things, it just, ugh, just, I can't, I can't with the, I just can't. Great story, Jen. What a well-informed political opinion. All right, let's talk about something else. We've got a new sponsor on our hands. Oh, and I am such a fan I love third love. That's right. Ladies, you know your bra doesn't fit very well. You know you need more comfortable cotton underwear. You know you want a beautiful cotton bathroom. You know that you need third love. If you don't know about third love, oh my God, you guys have to get into it. I love their stuff. So third love offers double the number of sizes that most other brands offer. Third Love helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. Their cups range from A through H. Their bands up to 48. 50% of women fall into in-between standard cup sizes, so Third Love invented half-cup sizing. Hands down, it's the most comfortable bra you'll own. Guys, take it from me. I have them. Tagless knit labels, no itching, no straps that won't slip. I mean, straps that won't slip. Ultra soft, smoothing fabrics, lightweight, super thin memory foam cups, 100% fit guarantee. It's a team of expert fit stylists. They're dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit, and you don't have to go to a damn store to do it. They have a new cotton collection. And they take their customer input seriously. They recently launched their most requested style, which is the cotton t-shirt bra and cotton underwear. It took two years to develop their perfect cotton collection, which is made from a premium cotton called Pima. The result is an incredibly soft, smooth, breathable bras and underwear that you want to wear every day. And I have even now a third love bathrobe, which I love. It's not all that, you know, rough terry cloth. It's a beautiful black cotton bathrobe, and it's so easy to wear and I throw it in my suitcase because it's small enough to pack. I take it on the road with me and it looks really sleek and cool. When I'm sitting at home, I take a selfie. People think I'm wearing a black dress. So 
Go to thirdlove.com slash fun now to find your perfect fitting bra and you are going to get 15% off your first purchase. The, millions of people uh, have breasts. I know, newsflash, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit. It's not just about a number. You also have a breast shape. And most bra companies don't take that into consideration. They have more sizes than other brands. They're the industry leader with 70 sizes, again, including those signature half cup sizes. So go to it, thirdlove.com slash fun and get 15% off your first purchase. Amazing. Oh, we're all up in the ladies' business today. Our other new sponsor is simplehealth.com slash fun. You can read along with me. Simple Health. You know, birth control can be a pain in the neck sometimes, especially getting it at a good rate and standing in line at the pharmacy. I know for me, I take birth control, and it's not even to control birth because I'm too old to get pregnant. But I use it to uh, regulate my hormones. And you know what? Every once in a while I get to the pharmacy and they're like, uh, insurance not covering it this month. It's 50 bucks. So screw that. Now you can go to simplehealth.com. It's care that fits your life. They use technology to provide simple, convenient, and affordable care at home, starting with online birth control prescriptions and delivery. A better way to get your birth control is here. Now they're not making their own birth control. These are real doctors prescribing actual birth control that's already on the market, whether it's pills as well as the patch and the ring. So here's how it works. You know the form you fill out at your doctor's office about your medical history, your conditions, your allergies. Simple Health is the same exact thing, but online. It's way more convenient and comfortable. The process is comprehensive. It's very personalized. These doctors actually ask for your preferences around the birth control. They help build the product and review every patient carefully to figure out if you're a good candidate for birth control and to pick the right method for your needs. If you're just starting birth control for the first time or you've been on it and you're thinking of going back on or you just want to get rid of having to go to the pharmacy, then Simple Health is for you. Just go to simplehealth.com slash fun, enter code fun at checkout. My listeners are going to get $20 prescription fee waived. So there's a $20 prescription fee. It's going to be waived if you go to simplehealth.com slash fun. Again, trying birth control for the first time or you need to renew your prescription, fill out an online health profile, answer some questions to find the best birth control for you. If your doctor reviews it and you're a good candidate, then you get a prescription. Your birth control ships to your door on a recurring schedule, no interruptions. It's free with most insurance plans and starts at only $15 a month without insurance. If you already have a prescription and you want to cut out the hassle of pharmacy visits, just give them your pharmacy info. They will do all the work for you and transfer your prescription and they'll start shipping you your birth control for free. Again, simplehealth.com fun or do the old entering code fun at checkout. Do not miss your chance to try this service for free. My listeners get the $20 prescription fee waived. Again, this is not a replacement for routine evaluations by your primary care physician or gynecologist. Please still get your pap smears and your checkups. But you can get your prescriptions a lot easier by using simplehealth.com fun. They are here to make your health care simple, starting with online birth control. I'm going to see my parents in San Diego on Tuesday. I want to see you guys. I, I don't know if you guys have been watching the whole time, but I'm recording an episode of my podcast, but my podcast is, is separate than this live video thing. And 
it's more for you to peek in on what I'm doing, which is normally just an audio experience. So I can't see your comments, but I'm going to look because I see that they're happening. Um, a bit judgy about private school. The Northeast is different than a lot of places. Yeah, sir. This is called satire and joking. The judging, like it wouldn't be a strong comedic point of view if I just did a well-balanced dissertation about private school. I was telling you about my fucking personal experience in the Northeast. So you just told me the Northeast is different. That's legit how I started the story. Do you see why I'm not reading comments as I go along? Does anyone know what fucking comedy is anymore? Oh, let me do, let me start over. <clears throat> some private schools are great and wonderful. Now, some private schools um, have a lot of assholes in them. Like, dude, I was saying where I grew up in a wealthy suburb that had a gorgeous public school, there was no reason to go to private school unless you were a fuck up and your dad was rich and you needed to get away with shit or your dad was racist and didn't like the fact that there were black kids at our public school. That's why people in Massachusetts fucking hands down went to private school. It's a little bit exaggerated because that's called satire and that's the basis of comedy. Comedy isn't necessarily about telling every truth fair and balanced. It's like, it's about truth, but it's about performing it. Does that make sense? I mean, honest to fucking God, you people. Comedy is comedy. Learn to laugh. That's right. Learn to laugh. People, what if someone literally didn't know how to laugh and they're just like, Ugh! and we're like, no, it goes, ha, ha, ha. And they're like, Bleh! no, ha, ha, ha. No, learn to laugh. I'm trying. Sorry, I got so mad at that guy, but I just, the comments. I don't need comments. That's why I'm not looking at that anymore. Okay. So I'm going to see my parents in San Diego on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, What? I, I don't know. Once you start hitting on me from Panama, I, I tune out of the comments. It's too creepy. Um, so I'm going to San Diego to visit my parents on Tuesday. They don't live in San Diego. Uh, they are there for a uh, – my dad is a golf course superintendent. I mean, he's now retired. He's 80. But they're there for the golf course superintendent of America convention. And I've been talking to them on the phone. I've been trying to make some plans. I'll only be there 24 hours because then I have to leave for Washington, D.C. But my dad wants to go look at this World War II naval ship that is now, you know, it's docked. It's not in use anymore, but it was an aircraft carrier um, in World War II. So I love that shit. I'm, I'm down like a clown to go see that. But my mom <laughs> was telling me about the trip. And it was kind of making me sad. But what I like about my parents is I can say, I'm so sad that you guys are in your eight, that you're 80. I'm just so sad. You know, it, it's, I hate watching you guys get older. They're like, thanks. <laughs> well, but they're doing great. And um, my mom has lost a lot of weight since she got her pacemaker. I mean, not a lot. She's still a normal weight. She was overweight before. I mean, that, that's what I told her. I was like, you were overweight. Now you're normal weight. She's like, but I can't stop losing. Jennifer, I'm not even trying to lose weight. I go, we, do you want me to tell you you're dying? You're not dying. You got a pacemaker. You thought you were dying. They gave you a pacemaker. Now your heart beats normal. You're fine. I go, it was probably like lack of stress because the heart's beating regularly. Like you're losing weight, you know? I know I'm not even trying though. I go, enjoy it. Enjoy your life, you know? So... 
She's like, you know, your father and I don't know anyone at the golf course. And this is what makes me crazy. The guy running the place, there's, you know, there's thousands of golf course superintendents. And he says to everybody, has anyone been coming here for 10 years? Yeah. 20 years? Yeah. Anyone been coming here for 25 years? And a bunch of people applauded. He's like, wow. And then he stopped asking. This is all according to my mom. And it made me so sad. She said, your father's been coming for 55 years. I go, he should have said something. And you should have found the guy that was making that speech and gone, hey, you need to honor this greenskeeper. He's, he's 80 over here. But I just felt sad. And she's like, well, no, we didn't know anybody. So no one's really talking to us. And I'm like, my parents can talk to anybody. They wander through towns. They make friends. When they come to my shows, after the show, they're like with 50 people. They're like, we just made friends with all the tables. I guess it's different because at my shows, they can say that I'm the comedian's parents and people get excited. But I guess at the greenskeeper thing, you know, maybe it's ageism. Like these young greenskeepers see these old people and they're like, eh, but if they only they knew how fun and funny my parents were. So I, it's just heartbreaking. I hate ageism. It really, really, really bothers me. I mean, if you see someone elderly, they know some shit. They've seen some shit and they, it just breaks my heart. I don't understand why you would not want to talk to someone elderly and you'd rather talk to someone your own age. What in the hell does someone your own age have to tell you about anything? When, so when I grew up, And I didn't even know that people could, like, there were four old ladies that lived across the street. Um, One house, one house, one house, one house. And they all were widowed. And so it never, I've never seen as a kid really elderly couples still together. Um, My Nana, her husband was dead before I was born. My other Nana, her husband died when I was 12. And my Nana lived until I was in my 30s. So, you know, it just wasn't. I hung out with old ladies all the time and they were cool as shit. And we would do needle, not needlepoint, crossed latch hook is my favorite. I don't have any sewing talent. Latch hook is so great. I'm going to get a latch hook kit. So I say, and then, um, we'd watch game shows and we'd have tea and we would talk. And I was five, I was four. I didn't go to nursery school. I hung out with old women in their seventies. And I just thought these women are ballers. They're styling. I mean, I have that kind of language then, but they seemed so happy. It never dawned on me that widowed could be a sad thing or that there was supposed to be a partner there, man or woman. It just seemed like they were free and happy and great. And I loved talking to them. And when I went to kindergarten, I was overwhelmed with how stupid these kids, these are five, these people have been on the planet five years. That's it. They got not, they're picking their nose, wiping it on the wall. Animals, idiot animals everywhere, right? The let's color, color, let's latch hook and talk about life. You know, let's shout out answers at Wheel of Fortune. Let's buy a vowel. I couldn't stand these kids. You know, let's tell me a story about the 40s. Tell me a story about before electricity. Let's try on your jewelry. And then you you go to kindergarten. Life is such a disappointment after that. So I just don't relate to anyone that doesn't want to talk to old people all the time, right? Um, Yeah, someone just said the elderly are super wise. Absolutely. What Democrat is your choice for the primary? Oh, I don't know. I'm not a primary person. Um, You know, basically at this point... um, I just sort of see what everyone's doing. And once it gets closer to voting day, I sort of make, make my decision then. And, uh, yeah. And then I fall in line with whoever 
is nominated for the generals. So, I mean, to be honest, uh, I'm never Tulsi and never Bernie. So besides that, everyone is a, seems pretty a strong choice to me. I, I don't, I don't dislike a lot of uh, what I'm seeing, uh, but I don't, to me, it's like, I don't get my heart set on anything. Cause I just, I just like to see how things play out. I like to see how people handle themselves during their campaign. I've already seen that with Bernie. That's why I'm not impressed. And Tulsi is um, a real fucked up, has some real fucked up views and is pretty shady. So that's how I already know with her. So anyway, everyone else, um, I'm enjoying watching. And I think we have such a stellar, I mean, I think about the Republicans and I'm, and I'm certainly not anti-Republican in any way. There's been fantastic Republicans in my lifetime, but I just think, who are the new crop of GOP? Who are these people that want to beat Trump? Because what's so strange is they have this 30% of the base and it's still working. That base is hanging on and they think Trump can do no wrong and they don't care about the Russia thing. They don't believe it. They don't care about Stormy Daniels or any sexual harassment allegations or anything. So it's like the people that want to primary Trump or get into Congress or the Senate, they I mean, get in as a congressperson or a senator, they, they just keep appealing to that same base. Like there is no one, you know, like if Trump was pulling at 20%, then I think the Republicans would try to go for a more center attitude, but they're staying extreme. So that's what's so strange to me. I thought, oh, the GOP will get to rebuild itself and we'll go back to the good old days and have two parties that are decent, but they're arguing over taxes and healthcare and, you know, how to do things. I'm really shocked. I guess I'm not shocked, but I'm, it's just sad to notice that there, there could be this beautiful moment in America. There could be a beautiful moment for the GOP to just, you know, all the never Trumpers to just reinvent the party. I mean, it seems like it's over. That party is is what does it stand for? I mean, it's it's a mess, and and all of the senators that are compromised as well. So anyway, I'm I'm very disappointed. I thought there'd be this kind of nice moderate wave where we'd see like just some good old fashioned moderate GOPs in there that are, you, you know, you hate their views, but you, but you don't um, hate them, and they're not uh, just sick people pandering to other sick people. But I don't know. I guess that's what's gonna happen. Uh, no, never Howard Schultz either. Oh, I love Stephanie Miller. How do I feel about The Masked Singer? Um, I've never seen it. So I guess I am taking questions from the live audience, but I, I do want to tell this story about my mom really quick. So let me, let me write that down, Masked Singer. Um, so I'm going to go see my parents in San Diego. And so I'm talking to my mom. And uh, hang on one sec. So I'm talking to my mom, and um, we're trying to figure out you know, this restaurant to go to. And she's all hyped up on the gas lamp district. Um, as you know, that's a district in San Diego that has gas lamps. And it's cute, but it's it's more of a, I think, I mean, I've been to San Diego four, four billion times, so maybe I'm just jaded. But it's more like, to me, it has a kind of street fair walk around during the day vibe, but it's pouring rain and we're just going to dinner. And I'm like, you won't even know you're in the gas lamp district. Like, Who cares? Let's just go to dinner at a restaurant that we all agree on. And my family, we just, we're not Italian, but Italian food is our favorite and that's where we go and, it, and everyone 
has something they can eat. I'm always the hard person because some, you know, some days I'm on a gluten-free thing. Some days I'm on an anti-acidic diet. Mostly I try to be dairy-free and I'm a vegetarian, but I do eat fish sometimes. So it's like, who knows? It depends on the day, you know? Um, but I can always find something at an Italian restaurant. So I'm, I'm looking up places to go. I call my mom today. They're um, at the hotel. She goes, I go, you know, Tuesday's the State of the Union, right? Oh, boy. Well, all right. I guess we can go to dinner after it. I go, what? We got to, my parents and I eat dinner at five because they're elderly and I'm elderly at heart. And I also eat early because um, of my acid reflux and vocal stuff. Like I stop eating after six usually. So I just said, we're going to go to dinner late so dad can watch the State of the Union. And my mom goes, well, I thought that'd be, so my mom is anti-Trump. And, you know, it's not even the Russia stuff for her. It's like all the sexual exploits. Um, she doesn't get too involved. And when I tell her about the Russia stuff, it seems so unbelievable that she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I'm telling you, it's, but she doesn't watch news. She's not a, she doesn't like people yelling on the TV. And so she just reads the Boston Globe newspaper every day, cover to cover. So, you know, it's like, I think the Russia stuff is kind of a lot for her to comprehend. And I'm sure she's just like, look, I'm 80 and let's just live out these twilight years without too much fuss. So anyway, she says, well, I thought it would be fun. You know, Jennifer, don't take this away from your father. Let him watch the State of the Union. He says, I don't know. I know, Mom. I know. You know, we've made peace a long time ago. I told my dad when Trump was elected, if you ever bring him up to me, I will disown you. And I'm not fucking kidding. He is so toxic and it breaks my heart that you, you know, when, when Adam Carolla, um, said women aren't funny years ago, my dad got so angry. He called me up. He goes, do you have a web, a web thing? I go, well, what? He goes, you know, one of those things on the website with the, the work, the blogs. I go, oh, I have a blog. He goes, I got to write something for it. Can I do that? Then you put it up for me. I go, yes, sir. He wrote me this email, long email, uh, in response to Adam Carolla, who wrote, you know, women aren't funny. And he was like, I bet you think women should be in the kitchen and men aren't funny. And it was just like soup. If a woman had written this, people would be harassing her. It was hardcore feminist. So it just breaks my heart that my dad, who otherwise is a really great person is voting for Trump, but that's what happens to old men. Right? So my mom goes, I thought it would be fun if we get some wine and we drink and heckle your father and heckle Donald Trump. So while he's watching it, we'll just be drinking, yelling stuff. I go, you just told me to let him enjoy watching the State of the Union, but you want to stay in the room drunk and heckle dad in the TV. Well, I don't know. When you put it that way, it doesn't sound like that nice. I go, listen, I don't want, there's nothing funny about this to me. I don't do Trump in my act. I don't want to think about the man. I, I say we, you and me, have a glass of wine in the lobby while we wait for dad to be done with it. And she goes, well, there's a joke I want to make. I want to see if his tie, if he's still wearing one of those stupid ties. It's so long, Jennifer. You know he wears a big tie to cover up his small dick. I go, so you want to watch the State of the Union with dad because you got a dick joke ready. And she's like, don't put that on Twitter. I mean, you can say that you thought of it, but don't say your mother said that. And I'm like, well, she didn't say don't put it on my podcast. And uh, so there you go. There's my mom's dick joke from me to you. Um, she, she'll never know. So, oh, she will listen to this podcast. Sorry, mom. Mom, it's a funny joke. Come on. So that's what we're going to do. We found a restaurant. 
And then she'll always reference, not like that weird when you made us go to years ago. What weird restaurant did I make you go to years ago? Where, where? We travel a lot together, so it could have been any state. I don't know, some weird place. I go, that literally never happened. You're just trying to say weird shit. So the masked singer, what do I think about it? I don't really think about it, to be honest. I have driven by um, Fox, you know, the actual Fox Studios, and I've seen it there, like, okay, that must be one of their new shows. And then I've caught on from the descriptions that a real celebrity singer is singing, and they're dressed completely in an unrecognizable costume. But wouldn't you recognize their voice? Unless, so if it's like Freddie Mercury singing Queen, which I know is not here anymore, but so instead of Freddie Mercury's voice, he'd be singing something else like, hello, everybody, like trying to sound like, Louis Armstrong, like, I don't understand what it is. And we've had plenty of television shows that are basically the downfall of America, but that one to me especially hurt my heart. I was like, can we not do better than this? But again, you know, I work in this business. Uh, so congratulations to everybody involved and please think of me for your next project. All right. Um, I wanted to read some emails from people, I'm trying to encourage people. I'm doing a show in Seattle on February 14th and it's selling quite well, but it seats 700. So, I mean, you know, I don't have 700 sold yet. And I'm trying to convince people who are coming to my Seattle show that if you are dateless or friendless or whatever you are, um, or you, you have a date, but they don't like my work or whatever it is, you just come alone. I mean, tons of people are coming to that show alone. They have told me one guy was like, well, I just got dumped. So now I'm going. Um, but a lot of couples are going too, who don't want to spend, you know, their night in Seattle doing coupley things. So I thought it'd be a really fun show. I'm not going to have an opening act because I'm going to do a little bit longer of a set. I'm going to have really cool pre-show music. Some of it love songs, some of it the opposite of love songs. And then after the show, I'm selling and signing books and I will be giving free hugs to the sad and lonely. So like, why would you not come to that show? It's going to be so fucking uplifting. So if anyone is listening, Seattle. Um, oh yeah. Do you want me to read that letter from my dad? I'm going to find that. So Seattle, come to the show. Um, it's at the Neptune Theater. I played there last year as well and I loved it. And uh, it's February 14th at eight o'clock. So tickets are on sale, Jen Carpenter.com. Kirkman.com click tour. That's right. I'm going to read that letter from my dad. Um, Adam Carolla, women aren't funny. Jen Kirkman. I used to have this bookmark. Um, my dad. Okay. So this is from 2012. Does anyone want to hear this letter? <laughs> okay. My dad on why women are funnier than men. This is from June 19th, 2012. Okay. I was emailing with my dad last night and telling him about Adam Carolla's comments that dudes are funnier than chicks. They make you hire a certain number of chicks and they're always the least funny on the writing staff. So that's when a couple of days later after we were emailing, my dad called me like he'd been stewing it over and he had some thoughts. So he wrote, I don't know, should I read it in his voice or just read it in my voice? <laughs> okay. Uh, Jen, these modern day men think that women are not funny. And this guy that has come forward and said comedy is a man's game and that women are not good comedy writers or comedians, I take with a grain of salt. This pretty famous guy sounds like he's from the Middle East. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, 
I ask, what would I Love Lucy be without Lucille Ball? Sid Caesar Show without Imogene Coca. Mary, that's a good deep cut reference. Mary Tyler Moore Show without Mary Tyler Moore. Laughing without Ruth Buzzy or Goldie Hawn. George Burns Show without Gracie Allen. That's quite feminist to say George Burns Show without his wife. Mama's Family without Carol Burnett and Vicki Lawrence. And The Carol Burnett Show without Carol Burnett. Um, Chelsea Lately Show and all the female comedians on her show. These are just a few that come to mind. Another thing, these ladies were and are all good business managers. Comedy is not only a man's game, but it's also a woman's game. Remember, this is genius. Women understand men, but men do not understand women. Therefore, men are taking a back seat and they don't appreciate that. This is America and people are entitled to say what they want, right, wrong, or indifferent. Women are usually right more than men. When some guys say, as a rule, comedy is a man's game, that really irks me. I'll tell you why. This guy probably feels that doctors and lawyers are a man's game. Politicians are a man's game. They probably think that women should be in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. By the same token, he probably feels that only women should be teachers and not men. Only women should be stewardesses and not men. Only women should be nurses and not men. You get the picture. I'm blown away with the feminism here. Do you understand this? This is a 1950s Lowell, Massachusetts working class man, like, but now he votes for Trump. I, yeah, okay. Um, it's a good thing these guys weren't running our country during World War II. Women ran our factories in producing all of our war material and even flew pr- planes from America overseas for our pilots to fly in combat. Women even started the professional women's baseball team during the war. I've seen a lot of comedy shows at the MGM and the Foxwoods Theater at Foxwoods Casino. I personally think comedians who are women are equal, if not funnier, than their male counterparts. I would personally rather attend a show with a female comedian than a male comedian. Love, Dad. Do we just love that? So that's how I was raised. Does that make sense? I don't have anyone in my family going, why don't you get married again? Why don't you have kids? We don't do that. We don't do that, the Kirkmans. I'm so fucking lucky, despite that fucking terrible vote that he made. So there's that email. Take that, Adam Carolla. Um, but don't you think if a woman wrote that, people would be like, so uh, what else are we going to? Oh, I, so I posted the other day on my Instagram stories uh, a retrospective of, so I asked people what they want to see on my stories and they said fashion stuff and like stuff from the old days. So I found all my pictures. I can't believe I only had 140, I should have thousands, of my years on Chelsea Lately, whether it was on the TV show or on the other show that we did called After Lately. And it was so fun to post them. And I'm still friends with, you know, Chris and Sarah and Heather and Fortune um, and, and April. Like, we all, I mean, I see Chris and Sarah all the time and, and you know, I'm probably closest with them. And it was just so fun to put up the pictures. And when I was putting them up, I was like, I was so adorable. I just remember so many days on that show feeling just gross and, oh, I'm not cute and, Oh, I feel chubby in this. And this is like, what? Like, guys, go back and look at pictures of yourself from, you know, eight years ago. And you'll be like, oh. And all you remember is the fun you had. I mean, there were so many days on that job where we wanted to kill each other. We were so angry at our producers. Chelsea was bothering us, blah, blah. But when you just look at it in photos, it just all becomes a happy memory. And I think that's kind of the beauty of how our brains work. But I've been really nostalgic lately. So after I posted that, I just started looking at all, I have, you know, I keep all my pictures on Facebook and I took them off and I, I was like, 
I have all these pictures from all my years in comedy. And so I'll do another, um, it won't necessarily have to be on a Friday, but I'll do another flashback where I'll just show all, all my old pictures in comedy. And I'll like try to do it by theme so that it's not, there were like way too many pictures on that Chelsea one, but I don't know. I was like, am I getting old now? Am I, I'm just so nostalgic and I'm from the nineties. So we were nostalgic while it was happening. So I have like double nostalgia now. And, uh, yeah, I just want to remind everyone that's in their 20s. There's a lot of noise going on. Uh, the 20s was the worst time in your life in a lot of ways. And then your 30s, you think it's the worst, but you're actually having fun. But you don't realize you had fun until you're in your 40s. And then your 40s, you're like, I'm so smart. I'm having so much fun. But then if anything's not quite right in life, you feel really scared. Like, did I miss the boat? So every decade has its own bullshit. But really, the most underappreciated a decade you'll have as your 30s. You'll look back on it and be like, that was fun. Um, I don't, I'm assuming my 20s were fun. I don't remember them, but not in a like, oh, I partied so much. It's just, I feel like my 20s were 20 years ago. So I'm like, I don't even remember anymore. I don't even remember anymore. So I was going to read an email from someone about going to a show alone. So this is to encourage you all to go to a show alone. Jen, I've seen you by myself a couple times, and I highly recommend it. I've also seen you with friends, and I recommend that too. I'm a person who generally likes to do things alone. I go to movies alone so much better. I go out to eat alone. I travel alone. Sometimes, however, I find myself feeling unsafe or lonely or anxious when I do those things. Not enough to stop me from doing them, but enough that it has soured a couple of experiences. There may have been times... This is supposed to be a pro-going-alone letter. There may have been times when I think maybe the fact that I was by myself made the men around me feel empowered to talk to me. Never a normal human conversation, often really inappropriate remarks delivered as if they're compliments, and I ended up leaving feeling really gross and unsafe and upset. But I've never had a problem seeing you live. There's something about the crowds you tend to draw, mostly women and enlightened men, that give me a really safe, happy feeling. And then you come out, and it feels like you're as happy to be with us as we are with you. That's because I am. Ah! I've met lovely people at your shows. And not once have I felt lonely or out of place. I saw you alone last time you were out the bell, uh, at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Um, blah, blah, blah. The whole room was, okay. Well, okay, I, I brought up a, a, a comedian from the audience to open for me that it was kind of a spontaneous thing. Anyway, uh, it felt magical. I had so much fun that night dancing and singing along with you to Queen and laughing so hard my face and stomach hurt. I left thinking, holy shit, anyone who wasn't here tonight missed out big time. Seeing you perform live is an experience I'd recommend to anyone and everyone. And if someone listening is thinking about going but not sure they want to go alone, do it. You'll be having way too much fun to worry and there's no way to feel alone at a Jen Kirkman show. If anything, it might be a solve for whatever kind of loneliness you've got. I really fucking agree. I got to tell you, I don't make as much money touring as I do writing on TV sometimes and other things. I mean, I have to do other things to supplement the income. I do it. Well, I do make enough money to live, but I also, it's just such a fucking joy that it's worth the, like, all the stresses of traveling from the monsoons to the, oh, I hope everyone shows up. So you're going to get a good show because if I'm not having fun, then why am I doing it? So I'm just telling you guys, if you only know me from Netflix, you know shit. You got to come see the live stuff. So there's that. But if you've bought tickets, I encourage you, you guys are my best publicists. Go on Twitter, go on Instagram, and use hashtag JKTOR2019 and just say, I'm coming to the show or I bought tickets. And that way I can retweet you and other people go, oh, someone's going, I'll go. Like that, if you guys want to help me, that's literally the biggest help of my life is tweet 
hashtag JKTOR2019. I'm totally serious. If you've bought tickets to anything, do that. Tweet or Instagram it, and we will talk. Um, I think that's it. I would... I really thought that Chelsea Lately story was going to have more mileage. Oh, oh, this was the point. It did have more mileage. So the douchiest thing you can do as a comedian is post a picture of you in a private jet. Now, I'll take you through the whole trajectory. Okay, uh, let me see. Why did my video end? Oh, my video ended. Hang on one sec. Hang on one sec, everybody. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why did my video end? Why did my video end? What happened? Anyway, so I was finishing my story. Ah! I was finishing my story that... um. The douchiest thing you can do as a comic is post pictures in a private jet. So I posted uh, this retrospective of all the years we were on Chelsea lately and stuff like that. And when Chelsea toured, she would use private jets. And she talked about it in her act. And if she brought you on tour with her, you would have to get on the private jet. And I say have to because, again, I'm not the greatest on small planes. I, it terrifies me. What I loved was showing up at a little private airport. You just show your ID to someone. Your bags are not checked. Like they don't go through them and there's no security. So it's the greatest thing ever. And you just walk right on and then the pilot just goes, Hey, nobody smoke. Okay. And that's it. (laughs) And I think you get the feeling that even if you did, he's like, I just had to say that. And it's great. Now, the, what's douchey is I think the private jets are terrible for the environment. I think they're a giant waste of money. I think there's moments in a performer's life when you do absolutely need one. Um, if you have to sleep, I, I don't know. I mean, there's moments I totally get it at a certain level of fame. Um, it, it is a lot easier, especially if you're on a tour, but I, I think used sparingly. Anyway, the point is, if you're the celebrity and you want to take a picture of yourself on your private jet, if you're that level, then you have millions of fans and you can afford to lose half of them if some of them don't like the private jet photo. It's totally fine. If you're the person touring with the comic, I don't think it's that cool to post a photo of you on their private jet. Like if I, I never used to, I used to try to not post photos of me on Chelsea's jet. I think I was only on it three times because I feel like, it makes me look like a loser. Like, it's not my private jet. It's hers. And also, it just looks like I'm bragging and living a lifestyle that I'm not. And I think a lot of times when you look like you're living a lifestyle you're not, people don't want to support you anymore because they're like, she's got plenty of money. I'm not buying her book. And I'm like, it's not my jet. So anyway, I figured, you know, look, I've got funny pictures of, there's this one time when we all went to the Montreal Comedy Festival. Chelsea was getting an award and... Sarah Colonna and I were going to the festival anyway to perform in it. And Chelsea was like, well, if you guys want to come, they sent me a jet. And we're like, yeah. So that was actually a little scary because that's a really long flight. And I was like, this is uncomfortable, but whatever. But there's pictures of me and Sarah on the jet. And that was some of the pictures that I put it again. If you just tuned in this Instagram story where I put all the pictures from the old days. 
And I put the dates on every picture and I wrote, you know, 2011 or whatever. And somebody DM'd me and said, I didn't realize you had private jet money. And I was like, I don't. That was not my jet. I was on, and I was like, oh God, I thought I was in the clear eight years later to post this. And I was like, I, I was on one a couple times as Chelsea's guest because, and they're like, and I'm like, no one owns a jet. It's, it's like, if she plays Madison Square Garden, that would have been part of her contract. Like, send me a jet, pay me this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they were like, still, that's pretty good money. I'm like, it's not my money. I'm literally like, if someone gave you a subway card and said, the ride's on me, it's no different. And then they wrote back, well, it must be pretty cool because you travel all the time to be able to just sometimes relax on your friend's jet. I'm like, yeah, this is not happening now. This was a picture from seven years ago, one time. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't even know. It's so hard to put anything on social media because there's always someone who literally doesn't understand what's going on. Like half the people watching right now have no idea that I already did a live thing for an hour, that this is my podcast. I don't know. Take take what you want and leave the rest. Um, what else do I have to get through in this episode? I think that's it. Um, I think I've talked about everything that I need to talk about. Uh as always, come see me on tour. The cities on sale right now are Arlington, Virginia, Dallas, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, Salt Lake City, Pittsburgh, Pencil, uh, Pins- Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Phoenix, Boston, and Brooklyn. Ten cities on sale, about 20 more being added. That does include dates in Canada. That does include London and hopefully some places in the UK. So I know as much as you guys do. I know where I'm planning to go. I don't know how it's going to shake out. That all depends on all the businessy side of things that all my people are dealing with. So again, join that fucking newsletter, jenkirkman.com. Click tour right there. It'll take you to how to join. I beg y'all to get tickets in advance. Um, again, follow I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter at I Seem Fun Podcast. Go to facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast. You can listen to this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places, right? And uh, send an email to I Seem Fun at gmail.com if you have anything to say. Follow me on Twitter at Jen Kirkman. Follow me on Instagram at Jen Kirkman. And uh, follow my tour on my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Jen Kirkman. You can follow the tour there. So that's it. You're all beautiful people. Until next week, have fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.